So a new case is now up for Supreme Court consideration because the Second Circuit refused to follow the Supreme Court's unanimous decision, which barred warrantless search and seizure of firearms within a home. So let's talk about this. But real quick before we jump into this video, if you agree that the warrantless search and seizure of firearms within your home is a clear violation of the Constitution and your rights, go ahead and hit that like button and subscribe. Also wanna give a shout out to one of the main supporters of this channel, which is USCCA. Through your membership, you get training, education, and self-defense liability protection. So if you carry a firearm, I highly recommend you take a look into USCCA and I'll leave a link to them down in the detail section. So like I said in the intro, a new case is now up for Supreme Court consideration. And this case deals with the unlawful search and seizure of firearms by police without a warrant in someone's home. The case we'll be talking about in this video is Torcevia v. Suffolk County. This case involves the use of the special needs exception to the warrant requirement to confiscate firearms based on a single call that a grandfather was acting irrational. This case is similar in nature to another Supreme Court decision we've talked about on the channel in the past, which is Conigli v. Strom. This case, Torcevia, is a lower court decision that flies directly in the face of that prior Supreme Court decision, which stated that the permitless and warrantless entry of a home under the community caretaking exception is unconstitutional. Because this case, Torcevia, does not adhere to that prior unanimous decision by the Supreme Court, which bars this type of conduct, the plaintiff in this case is now seeking Supreme Court review, and the Supreme Court has now set this for conference at the beginning of its next term in September. So the facts surrounding this case, Torcevia, are actually interesting. Wayne Torcevia is a 57-year-old man with no record of violence and no history of suicide attempts, depression, or any mental health treatment or issues in the past. Early in the morning of April 6, 2014, his teenage granddaughter called social services complaining that her grandfather was yelling at her and was acting weird. Neither in the call or at any point did she claim that he had used a firearm to assault her, had assaulted her, or even displayed or used any firearm in any way. Following that call from the granddaughter, social services contacted the Suffolk County Police Department, which then dispatched three police officers to his home. Each of the police officers agreed that he had not committed any violation of law and that the granddaughter's complaint was not substantiated in any way. At one point in the discussion between the petitioner and one of the officers, the officer turned slightly and accidentally dislodged a magnetic drape that was attached to the front door. As Mr. Tresevia went to pick up that drape that fell, the officer then screamed at him very loudly and told him to get back and they also threatened to tase him if he did not pretty much adhere to what they were saying. Mr. Tresevia then claims that he told the officer not to tase him because he has a heart condition and that he could die. According to the officer, he understood that statement by Mr. Tresevia to be that Mr. Tresevia wanted to be tased and that he wanted to die. In reaction to that, he then handcuffed Mr. Tresevia and transported him to the Stony Brook Hospital Comprehensive Psychiatric Evaluation Program, or the CPEP, for an emergency mental health evaluation. Then the officers left the home and they did not at any point ask whether there were firearms or even um, have any engagement in regards to firearms, but it was only after they dropped him off at the hospital did they then run a computer check and one of the officers found that he had a New York State pistol license and therefore also had a firearm within the home. That police officer then contacted his sergeant who instructed him to ask Mr. Tresevia for the guns and if unsuccessful to return them to the hospital to get consent from Mr. Tresevia to confiscate and to seize those firearms that are within the home. However, both Mr. and Mrs. Torsevia denied them consent to confiscate those firearms. Eventually, his psych evaluation came back clear, and 12 hours later, he was recommended to be discharged from the hospital. However, a social worker on the case told her intern to get the combination to his gun safe. 
The intern called his wife and said there was a change of plans that her husband would not be released from the hospital while there were firearms within the home. And she said that they had to give over those firearms if he were to be released. The social worker then called Mr. Trasivia and told him that he would not be released until the firearms were confiscated and that the police were on their way to his home to confiscate those weapons. Mr. Trasivia refused once again, but eventually gave away to pressure under the pressure that he would have to remain in the hospital forever unless he gave consent and released those firearms to the police department. On May 6, 2014, he requested the return of his firearms from the police department. His pistol license was also later revoked. And although there was a hearing over the loss of his license in late 2015, he never in fact did recover his handguns. And it took over two years for the department to release his long guns to him and to release them to a gun store, which then had to transfer them to him because they had to go through the proper channels for them to be released and then transferred back to him. So those are the basic facts surrounding this case. This issue spiraled all the way from a baseless call from a teenage granddaughter, all the way to him being in a mental health facility and threatened to be not ever released unless he gave up the uh, possession of his firearms. And this also was all done without a warrant. This case made its way up to the Second Circuit for review. And on review, the Second Circuit found that under the special needs exception to the warrant requirement, the police were able to do this to Mr. Trasivia. In reaching this decision, the Second Circuit largely ignored the Supreme Court's prior ruling in Coniglia and really only discussed it one time in a footnote. The Court of Appeals simply asserted that the special needs exception is different from the community caretaking exception at issue in Coniglia. Now, in reality, the community caretaking and special needs exception are very similar. So if you aren't aware, last year, the Supreme Court issued a ruling in a case called Coniglia v. Strong. That case dealt with whether the community caretaking exception that applied to vehicles could extend to the warrantless search of homes. In 1973, the Supreme Court decided a case called Katie v. Dombrowski. In that case, the Supreme Court held that the police officers had not violated the Fourth Amendment by searching without a warrant the trunk of a car that was towed after an accident, and they searched it for a firearm because it was part of the officer's community caretaking functions. But Katie was largely based on the differences between automobiles and homes. There are different rules that apply to your vehicle than to your actual home. However, in the Coniglia case, the First Circuit Court of Appeals held that the community caretaking exception to the warrant requirement could also apply beyond vehicles and could apply to your own home in searches of those without a warrant as well. Therefore, they found that the police could enter a home and seize Mr. Coniglia's firearms without a warrant under the community caretaking exception. Coniglia made its way up to the Supreme Court and the court issued a unanimous decision in favor of Mr. Coniglia. Justice Thomas therefore found what is reasonable for vehicles is different from what is reasonable for homes. Katie acknowledged as much and this court has repeatedly declined to expand the scope of exceptions to the warrant requirement to permit warrantless entry into a home. Based on this, the Supreme Court unanimously found the warrantless entry and seizure of Mr. Coniglia's firearms within his home was unconstitutional. So in this case, Torsivia, the petitioners seek a summary reversal by the Supreme Court because the Second Circuit outright is refusing to apply Coniglia. They state in their petition, as in Coniglia, there was no dispute that the exigent circumstances exception did not apply. Indeed, this case is even clearer than what happened in Coniglia, and the Second Circuit's efforts to distinguish this case from Coniglia is a plain error, if not an outright resistance to this court's authority. Because of the direct violation of the Supreme Court's prior precedent, they request a summary reversal from the court, which is a harsh remedy available to the Supreme Court that they often only use in a lower court situation like the Second Circuit, which is outright refusing to adhere to their prior precedent. However, they also argue that even if the Supreme Court believes summary reversal is not appropriate in this case, it should grant review of this case because clearly 
There is conflict between lower courts, circuit courts, on the warrantless search and seizure under these types of exceptions within homes. So this is going to be one of the first cases up for consideration by the Supreme Court in this post-Bruin world. Like we saw the Supreme Court in their last term, they were very aggressive in taking on very controversial topics. They issued multiple landmark decisions on First Amendment issues, Second Amendment issues, Chevron deference, and also abortion as well. It's going to be interesting to see if warrantless search and seizure cases with Second Amendment issues also tied to them will be intriguing to the court and be enough for them to want to take up this case. So this is an interesting case and we'll be keeping our eyes on it come September. If you guys have any questions, go ahead and comment down below and I'll try to answer the best of my ability. Also, if you like this video and like to support the channel, one of the best ways to do that is to like, comment, and subscribe. All those things help to fuel the algorithm or fuel Al Gore's rhythm. It adds fuel to his jet and signals to YouTube that you guys see value in these videos and in this type of two-way news. Again, I want to thank everybody who likes, comments, subscribes, who hits the notification bell, who shares these videos. You guys are directly impacting these videos, impacting this channel, and helping me to reach and educate more people than I could ever do on my own. So again, thank you so much for all of your support. And as always, thank you all for watching. Don't forget to like and subscribe. And never get this nation with built by arm scholars, and this nation will be maintained by arm scholars.